Alrighty, um, man, I'm so glad you're here tonight, and I know we have a few more folks that will uh, will join us, and others that will um, participate later through uh, internet and, and recording that sort of thing. But um, tonight we got we've got a little bit to finish up from last week. I kind of rushed through some of that. That uh, to me, it's 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 among some of the uh, more important things that the Lord has has shown me, and and um, so I want to make sure that I didn't rush that towards the end of last uh, class. So we'll take a few minutes there, but then um, tonight we're going to get into um, uh, a triune being, or what I refer to as stickman theology, spirit, soul, and body. So, um, and uh, that's really going to set the stage for, uh, for some classes in, in the future that I think are, uh, are going to be a great blessing and benefit to you. Amen. Um, this, of course, tonight is class number 24, 24 out of 36. So, I mean, if you do the math, man, that's, uh, this is two-thirds of the way through uh, tonight. So, um, wow, um, it's going by pretty quick. So, uh, I'm excited. I hope you're excited. Thank you for being here. Thank you for your commitment. Thank you for your faithfulness. Um, uh, we've been talking on, uh, on Sundays here at Heritage um, about what the Bible teaches us about, about giving God the place He deserves in our lives. And when I say God, I, I usually refer to Him as either Father or Jesus or the Holy Spirit. Um, just, you know, to personalize, uh, but when I say God, I'm, I mean the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and um, it's, it's such an important thing, and um, I'm not here to reteach all of that, uh, not even try to, but one of the things the Lord spoke to my heart is that His, His people are wanting Him to do things in their lives that, that they haven't given Him place to do, that they haven't given Him place to do, and... Um, I'm only mentioning that now because um, your, your presence and your faithfulness to these classes is a, is a very practical way for you to give God a greater place in your life. You're, you're, you're making room for Him. You're opening up opportunities. And, and I mean, it's not like anybody had to crawl through glass to get here, but, but it is uh, a sacrifice. For some of you, um, it's, it's a much bigger sacrifice, perhaps, than, than, um, than you've ever made when it comes to the things of God. That's relative, right? I mean, depending on you know what you've done in the past and the and the and the effort that you've put towards those things. So, um, I just say that to to commend you um, by giving him that place. Um, he's able to do things that he is literally not unwilling, but unable. And I'm not again trying to going to break all that down. Um, things that he's unable to do uh, for for folks who who uh, do not give him that place and. Um, so you know me and my uh, endless defining of things, but uh, from that sermon series, uh, a new definition has come, and that is a disciple is someone who has given Jesus a place in their life that others have refused to give him. Amen. A disciple is someone who's given Jesus a place in their life that others have refused uh, to give him. And what we see is that those who are willing to give him place, he, he taught them things, he gave them things, he... He showed them things that he did not teach or show or give uh, to other people. Amen. And um, so that's a factor. And again, I just say uh, that to you tonight to encourage you. So anyway, let's pray. Father, thank you for this time together this evening. Thank you for the things that you have prepared for us. Father, I, I thank you tonight that, um, that minds will be renewed and lives will be transformed. Father, by your holy word and by your Holy Spirit. I thank you, Father, that we open our hearts to you. We we give you place, we give you this time, we give you our effort, we give you our, not just affection, Father, but we give you our attention. Um, 
Um, we, we are present and accounted for, sir. And, um, and we ask uh, this evening that you uh, help us. You give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to understand um, the, the truth and the wisdom, Lord, that maybe some of us have, have never seen or understood before, or at least never seen or understood the way we're going to understand it and see it tonight. And that's because of you and because of your Holy Spirit. And all for your glory, Father. We pray over those who are still on their way to the, the, the room here where we're meeting, the classroom where we're meeting. We pray over all those who are joining us uh, through the internet, Father. And we just believe you for good things tonight. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. Come on, ladies. We, we were kind of dragging it out uh, to give you a moment to, to get here. So tonight is discipleship class, uh, training class number 24. We've already mentioned that. And so by way of a brief review, we've spent uh, quite a few classes answering this question, what is man? We said we've got to know what we are to know who we are. We've got to know who we are to know why we are. And so there is a, a progression uh, that's there that is extremely important. In the course of our study, we've said that, first of all, man is a God-class being. We've said that man is a spirit being. We said man is the legal authority on earth. And this includes uh, men with a womb and men without a womb. So women, women, and men. All right, so I'm not just leaving you ladies out. That's not a term of gender. It's a term of, of species. All right. So man is the legal authority on earth. We said that um, man is a being created in the image and likeness of God. Now, um, if you have your Bibles uh, tonight, oh, let's do this. So in that man is a being created in the image and likeness of God, we've, we've narrowed our focus to say um, that man is a being with the ability to what? Think, reason, form opinions, uh, the ability to agree, the ability to believe, the ability to experience and express emotions. All why? Because God has these abilities, had these abilities, has them, and had them before us created us in his image, in his likeness, to look like he looks, to function the way he functions. And we said that these uh, characteristics, these attributes, the final one is man is a, uh, a being with the ability to speak, to speak, okay? And we said that these things are both dynamic and interactive, and uh, they can either work for you or against you. They can be your best friend, or these things can be your worst enemy, and... Perhaps nowhere have we seen that in, in, in greater reality in the things that we've talked about, our speech, our words. Uh, the book of Proverbs tells us that death and life, death and life is in the power of the tongue. Um, we want positive words to count double and triple and negative words to not count at all, but it just doesn't work that way, okay? So there's power in the words that we speak. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, if you turn there with me, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and... Um, as you're turning there, and I know that what I'm about to say doesn't um, apply uh, to everyone in this room, much less everyone who's joining us um, through the internet, but um, we, uh, we made a transition at the foundry. It was something that I really believe that the Lord spoke to my heart, that it was something that He wanted me to do, and um, my darling wife will tell you sometimes when it, when it comes to things that are about me and that sort of thing, that's when I kind of get... Uh, I guess my most uh, reserved or withdrawn or what have you, but um, we were praying about, you know, some of the changes that were taking place in the phase classes, and, and it's like the more I prayed for who was to cover those classes for the men, the more the Lord just kept impressing a, a, a upon me that He wanted me to do it. And um, 
so I'm, I'm saying that tonight to this group um, uh, to just simply say thank you. Um, you. You men and women who are here um, obviously do not represent everyone in phase one and phase two at the foundry, but you are a, um, if I could, and, and amen, I'm not trying to offend anybody, but you know, you're the cream of the crop. And, um, and so your uh, acceptance and engagement in those classes have really, really, I think, helped make that transition a smooth one. And um, so I am uh, I'm very, very excited, and I believe that the Holy Spirit is confirming that, that this is what um, he, he had and has for us. So anyway, I'm just saying thank you, and, and I, maybe I could have just said thank you and moved on you know, in five seconds. But, um, but anyway, amen. The, uh, um, here, here is a, a simple reality, and, and those of you who, who preach and teach, um, you've experienced this already. Some of you, this may be new to you, but, but the desire level, the hunger level in those being taught um, has as much to do with the quality of the learning experience as the, as the hunger level and the preparation of the teacher. Um, I, I literally, and, and I know some people like, that, what is he talking about? But I, I literally, when, when people are, are hungry for the truth, I, I feel you pulling it out of me. I know, I know that sounds odd, um, but you know, think about it this way. If you've ever tried to tell somebody like something that really God's done in your life that's very exciting and that's new and fresh to you, um, compare that to people who are like really engaged and really want to hear what you have to say compared to those who are just like, you know, um, pacifying you till you get through and then it's like, okay, well, let's go get a cheeseburger. You know, it's like not that big a deal to them. And, um, and, and the quality of that experience. And so you guys are, are really, again, helping make that transition an effective one. And so I thank you for it. All right. So this is going to be a little bit of review and, and a little bit of just uh, expounding upon something that we uh, began to talk about towards the end of, of last uh, Wednesday's class, class number 23. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1, it says, Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All ate the same spiritual food, all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Now the next verse, we're not going to try to get too far down this road tonight, the next verse says, but with God, but with many of them, God was not well pleased. And it was because in spite of everything that he had done for them supernaturally, they never learned the lesson of trusting Him and therefore uh, never allowed Him, never cooperated with Him enough to get into their promised life and their promised land. The Bible says that God brought them out of slavery in Egypt so that He might bring them into the promised land. He didn't just bring them out for the sake of bringing them out. He brought them out for the purpose of bringing them in. And we see that God rolled up His sleeve and through His miracles and his power he was able to bring them out but the closer they got to that promised land the more cooperation uh, God needed from them to get them into that promised life and promised land or as I like to just simplify it as their best life and God was not well pleased with them because they did not cooperate and um, and they died and fell short of his highest and best for them all right and there's a lot of uh, teaching that that we'll be doing in the days ahead on that in in our phase uh, one and two class I simply draw your attention to these verses now 
because of verse 3 and 4, that they all ate the same spiritual food and they all drank the same spiritual drink. Now, these two verses are of tremendous value because they are a New Testament example as plain as any New Testament example you can find of things that are spiritual in nature or spiritual in origin that were converted into something that met a natural or a physical need. Okay? Um, In other words, the manna, that's the spiritual food that they went out and and picked up and ate. Um, It was real food that had taste. It was something they chewed up and swallowed and and it satisfied it. It nourished them. So in that respect, you could say that it was something physical. But the Bible plainly tells us that although it satisfied and met a spiritual need, a physical need, it was something that was spiritual in nature. In other words, there was a conversion that took place. I don't have these verses on the screen, but let me just run through a few right quick, okay? Um, The Bible says in Ephesians 1 and 3 that you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Notice, it doesn't say you will be, it says you have been blessed. Not with some, but with every spiritual blessing, right? Uh, 2 Peter 1 says that you have been, you have been, if you're a born-again person, you have been given all things that pertain to life and godliness. We've already covered this one multiple times, but Luke 17, 21 says that the kingdom of God is within you. And, and, and it also says in Luke that it's Father's good pleasure to give you that kingdom. Now let's go back to that first verse that we looked at, Ephesians 1 and 3 where he says you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. See, we hear that and we, we don't know what to do with that. Or let me say it another way. That's a currency that we don't know how to spend. That's a currency that we don't, we don't know how to spend. In other words, you, it's like, okay, I've got all these spiritual blessings, but I need some money in my checking account. I've got all these spiritual blessings, but I need some shoes for my baby's feet. I've got all these spiritual blessings, but I need to pay my power bill. Okay? So we, we don't know what to do with these, and because we don't know what to do with them, you know, we, we, we aren't really that excited or thankful because we've been given these spiritual blessings. Well, if we understood it better, we would get a whole lot more excited about it. Things like, has given all things pertaining to life and godliness, has given the kingdom to you, that kingdom is now within you. So the idea, of course, is how do we tap into what we have been given, and for lack of a better word, convert it into something that is physical and tangible. Jesus did this every day He was on planet earth. I mean, if you go back to when He called the first disciples, they had toiled all night fishing, having caught nothing. They're tired, they're rolling up the nets, they're ready to go. If you've ever worked night shift, you know how when that sun comes up, how ready you are to find somewhere to put your head down, right? And Jesus comes up and says, "Um, I want you to go back out and throw the net on the other side of the boat. And they're like, we grew up, I mean, this is what's going on in their mind, right? We grew up fishing, we fished all night, and, and, and the thing about those waters is that they were clear, which means you could plainly see there were no fish there to catch. 
And so they said, we've toiled all night, nevertheless, at your word. Not because we think there's any fish out there, not because we think we're going to... In other words, for no other reason, because you asked Jesus, we're going to go do this. And of course, the Bible says they threw the net out and caught a load of fish that you know, was breaking the nets and sinking boats and all this other stuff, right? Where did those fish come from? Same place that manna came from. Those were fish that came from the realm of the Spirit. Now, stay with me now. Praise God, stay with me, all right? So we took a little boy's lunch and fed a whole bunch of people with it, right? Again, it wasn't that the boy had more food in the sack than he originally thought. It was a miracle that was taking place. Now, I'm going to tell you two things lest this seem strange to you. I'm going to remind you about the apples that come out of the apple tree. Yes? Nobody comes and hangs that fruit on that tree in the middle of the night when everybody's asleep. Those, those uh, apples come from inside that hard, dense trunk, come out. They're pushed out on the branches. Okay. One other thing I want to just, again, draw your attention to, lest this seem strange to you, the Bible says everything that you can see, everything in this visible, physical realm came out of an invisible spirit realm that you can't see. So before we think this is odd that a net-breaking, boat-sinking load of fish came out of the realm of the Spirit, that's where every fish that's ever been on planet Earth came from. Are oh, you understand what I'm saying? Everything that's physical, everything we can see, came from that invisible realm of the Spirit that we cannot see. So clearly faith is how we, we bridge that gap between the physical and the spiritual. Remember, like, I'll give you, here's another example. Jesus said that if you pay your tithes, right? Uh, first of all, if you don't pay your tithes, you're robbing God. 10% of your increase belongs to Him. But He says, if you will pay your tithes, okay, and prove Him in this, He said, see, if I will not open the windows of heaven, right? and pour through those windows into your life blessings that you do not physically have room enough to contain. So notice the window now is speaking of a passageway. God's in heaven, we're here on the earth, right? He opens that window and He pushes through that window things that are already yours in spiritual form, right? But when they pass from heaven into the earth, that's when they take on the, the physical properties that we need um, to feed people, to, to go sell the fish at market, or, or whatever it is. Um, but again, it's, it's something that, that originates in the realm of the Spirit, but is then produced in the physical, natural realm. Have you got it so far? Alright, now, Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12, and verse number 33. He says, either make the tree good. I hear you turning, I'll give you a minute. Matthew chapter 12, verse 33. Thank you, Jesus. Alright, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. Is Jesus talking about fruit trees here? No, He's talking about people. He's talking about individuals. He's talking about human beings. Brood of vipers, He says to those religious leaders, how can you being evil speak good things for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks? 
A good man, verse 35, out of the good treasure of his heart or the good deposit of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say to you that every idle word, for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Okay? Now again, I'm not going to take all the time to break down all the Greek and all those other things, but, but we sometimes hear this and all we think is that somebody that's got good in their heart is going to say good things. That's not what Jesus is saying here. He's saying that someone who has good in their heart, they're going to say good things, but, but in using words, they're going to bring forth things that's, that's inside of them, out of them. Remember, he said that a man's belly will be satisfied by the produce of his lips. In other words, the words that you speak out of your mouth are producing the things that you experience and enjoy in life. I know this is bizarre. We spent some time on this already. Amen? Am I right about it? Okay. Now, I made a statement last week, and I'm not going to... Let me just do this. Acts 2, 1 and 2, don't turn there. Uh, and then 3 and 4, this is when the day of Pentecost fully come. God had poured His Spirit out upon all flesh. And remember we said that the uh, initial evidence of the uh, baptism of the Holy Spirit was that people spoke in an unknown tongue as the Spirit gave them utterance. As the Holy Spirit gave them words. These weren't words that they had learned in a classroom somewhere. It wasn't like that. you, know, you go uh, to college and take four years of French and learn how to speak French. These, these are words that they were taught or given by the Holy Spirit. Okay, And, um, and so I said last week that until you have some understanding of the power of your words, it will never make a lot of sense to you as to why God wants to uh, have you and me surrender our words to Him so that the Holy Spirit can then speak through us. We then looked at the passage in Romans 8, again, you don't have to turn there, uh, 8, 26 and 27 where he talks about the Holy Spirit helping our inability to get results, our weaknesses, our infirmities. And how that we don't know how to pray as we ought because in order to get the results that we need, we need to know how to pray as we should to get those results. But we're not getting the results that we need because we don't know how to pray to get the results. So praying and believing is how we get results. Praying and believing is how we tap into what's already been given to us in the realm of the Spirit and bring it from the realm of the Spirit into the realm of the physical. Right? Jesus, remember, we, I'm not going to go back through all that in John 3, but remember He was touching two worlds at the same time. No one's ascended up but the Son who came down, that is the Son who is in heaven. Jesus was standing there talking to Nicodemus when He said it. He said, Nicodemus, I'm here, you see me here, but while I'm here, I'm also uh, connected to my Father and His resources in heaven. And as I've said over and over again, Jesus was more aware of the world He came from than the world He found Himself in. He was more aware of, 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 of heaven where He originated than, than earth where He found Himself. We are more aware of earth than we are of heaven, but we're making progress. Amen? Okay. So He says that the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And this is, again, speaking of, of words that can't be expressed in articulate speech. He's talking about uh, an unknown tongue and the groanings of the Spirit. Now, he who searches 
the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because He makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. According to the will of God. So we, we may find ourselves in a situation where we don't know what the will of God is. We don't know how to pray because we're not clear what the will of God is. The Holy Spirit knows the will of God. And He will pray that prayer for you and through you. Yes, Brother Chad. That's a great question, um, but, but the answer to that is no. Obviously, um, and, and Paul said it as concisely as anybody, he says, I pray with the Spirit and I pray with the understanding also. I pray, I worship, praise in the Spirit and I praise in the understanding also. And so clearly, um, you know, praying uh, by faith in English and believing that we receive uh, when we pray is, um, is an absolute uh, critical, crucial part of our walk and our journey and, and how we appropriate things. Um, but remember, Jesus, standing there in front of His disciples, He said, look, I'm leaving, um, and you're going to be better off. It's going to be to your advantage, because when I go, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And He's going to come and dwell inside of you. Amen. And He's going to be like rivers of living water flowing forth from your innermost being, flowing up from inside of you, out of you. And we see that the Holy Spirit does many things for us, and one of the things that He does is what we're reading about right here. So it's a great question. Um, listen, I, and I'm certainly not saying that this is what you're thinking, because to be honest with you, I have no idea what Chad thinks, believes, has or has not experienced where this is concerned. But let me say this, a lot of times, and... And we've been talking about resistance um, some uh, this week uh, in, in our morning class. Um, and, you know, this is one of those things that the devil puts a lot of resistance around. Um, Jesus came to do two things for you. He came to take away your sins and he came to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. And, um, and so, again, there's a great resistance around you hearing the gospel and being born again. And there's a tremendous amount of resistance from the enemy surrounding the whole uh, teaching and, and baptism of the Holy Spirit. And um, so what happens then a lot of times when, when uh, someone begins to talk about it, um, you know, if we're not careful, we can get defensive and we can, he doesn't think I'm saved, he doesn't think I'm spiritual and all this stuff. This, no, 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 please. You know, I've seen folks who are baptized in the Holy Spirit, but, you know, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not um, a substitute for spiritual maturity. Or sometimes people can be baptized in the Holy Spirit, but still be very spiritually, you know, immature and act like spiritual babies. And, 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 there, and there are folks who... Uh, may not necessarily be baptized in the Holy Spirit yet, um, but know the Word and walk in God and are very disciplined and, 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 and have spiritual maturity, even more spiritual maturity than somebody who, you know, is baptized in the Holy Spirit. So, again, you know, it's a great question because praying in English is absolutely critically important. But I, I think if, I know for me, me personally, and I think if you'll think about it, we, we really find ourselves in situations where we... We are not getting the answers that we need. We're not experiencing the results that we need. And, and it's because we, evidently we don't know how to pray like we need to pray to get the answer that we need to get. Amen. Well, we're not just stuck and, and, and have no uh, advantage. Jesus said it would be to your advantage that He goes away when the Holy Spirit comes. Um, we do. We, we have the opportunity, the advantage of the Holy Spirit to come and, and, and pray and intercede through us um, 
for the saints, again, according to the will of God. Because that's the other thing, uh, Brother Chad, is that the Bible says that if we pray according to His will, we know we have what we ask. And sometimes His will is very clear in situations, other times it's not. Remember, Jesus said, pray that thy kingdom would come and thy will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we may not always know exactly what the will of God is, but the Holy Spirit knows. He knows the plans. He knows the book that was written for you before you were ever born. He, he's read that book. He knows all about it. Amen. And part of His assignment is to help lead you and me and guide you and me into that understanding and into that uh, plan and purpose. Um, and so again, it is, uh, hallelujah, um, a, a very uh, powerful thing that the enemy tries and tries and tries to keep people from knowing and understanding. Now, I want to, I'll certainly, any questions, comments you have, I'll be happy to take those. I want to I draw your attention to one more passage. And this is in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 9. So, Jesus told us to speak to the mountain. Right? And He told us to do that after having spoken to a fig tree Himself. Amen. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment because you know, there are ways to kill a fig tree, physical, natural ways, and there are ways to move mountains. Uh, my grandfather moved uh, part of the mountain and rerouted that creek that runs in front of Brookwood Mall. If you ever looked at that, I mean, just kind of dug into the side of the mountain there to build that mall. He was heavy equipment operator in those days. Um, they, didn't, they didn't do it overnight. You follow me? Lake Shore there, yes ma'am. So, um, when, when we talk about fig trees dying and mountains moving, we're talking about a force. We're talking about energy. We're, let me say it another way. Let's just go, let's just leave the fig tree alone. I mean, leave the mountain alone, go to the fig tree. Um, anybody ever heard of something called Roundup? I mean, you can. You can spray enough poison on stuff that, it, that it'll kill it, right? Now, the only reason I'm, I'm bringing that out to you is that there is some mechanism. There is, there is something involved. It's not like hocus-pocus or magic or something like that. And so in the same way, um, when, when mountains are moved by faith, when, when results are tapped into in the realm of the Spirit, um, we're, we're talking about something that's literally taking place in a person's life. Do you remember Peter's mother-in-law? She had a fever, sick. Um, in those days, man, fever, they didn't have this medical stuff that we have today. And the Bible says that Jesus touched her on the hand, and immediately the fever left her body. She regained her strength, which means whatever was causing that, the infection, right? Her fever's when your body's fighting an infection. So we have antibiotics. You know, you can take a Z-Pack and get to feeling better in, you know, six or seven days, what have you. Um, because there's actually physical medicine going into your body that's helping your body fight that infection. Well, Jesus just touched her on the hand. But there was a healing virtue. And, and I, I know I'm, I'm speaking to you as a man, but like in heaven you could see a bottle of that stuff. In other words, you see what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's a real substance. 
In other words, something, not necessarily physical, but something from the realm of the Spirit flowed through him when he touched her that went into her body and immediately removed that infection, immediately strengthened her body to the point that she got up and fixed him a meal. Are you, are you following what I'm saying here? So, um, I guess more than anything is I'm, I'm wanting you to understand that faith and prayer, both in English as well as in unknown tongues, is one of the primary ways that we convert the currency of the Spirit into things that we can physically, tangibly um, experience and enjoy, um, be that healing, be that finances. Um, all things that pertain to life and godliness means all things that pertain to life and godliness, okay? Um, that includes physical things, spiritual things, mental things, emotional things, amen, financial things. Praise God. Praise God. Feeling a little blowback on that. I, I'm talking about every... Not, listen, I'm talking about cars, houses, tires that you need for those cars. Yours already. God's given it to you. All things that pertain to life and godliness. Every, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus has been given. A kingdom of God. Think about it now. Jesus was an, an ambassador... For the kingdom, he's the king of the kingdom actually, but represented that kingdom. Every miracle he did on this earth, he did as a man, full of the Spirit, in right standing with God. And, and remember when Nicodemus asked him about those signs and wonders, those miracles, those people getting healed, those demons being cast out, them folks being supernaturally fed, that water being turned to wine. He's like, I know God has to be with you for you to do what you're doing. Jesus said, you will never see the kingdom unless you're born again. And unless you're born of water and the Spirit, you will never enter the kingdom. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, Nicodemus, what you're seeing is the spiritual kingdom of my Father breaking through into this natural physical realm. That same kingdom that you're a citizen of, you're an ambassador of, that you've been given and is inside of you. Remember, he said it doesn't come with observation. It's not going to be a, 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 a ceremony where there's a ribbon cut. Amen. It's a spiritual kingdom. It's inside of you. It's the resources of God, the rule of God, the reign of God, the realm of God. It's His kingdom. It's His dominion. And He's put that inside of you and me. I know I've said it a bunch of times. Say it again. Matthew 13, 52 from the Message Translation. Those who are perfectly trained in the kingdom are like the owner of a general store who can put their hands on anything that anybody needs anytime they need it. Amen. Matthew 13, 52. That, I quoted that one from the Message Translation. Okay? It's a store. You guys passed it coming from the foundry. Some of you passed it coming from Bessemer. It's closed up now. It's called Gober's. Gobers, amen. Mr. Gober owned that store for years. And buddy, I'm telling you, it was a convenient store. They sold produce there. Um, but let me tell you what else. They sold anything you needed there. We were working on an air compressor one night. And um, parts we had weren't right. And the guy, the guy that I was helping, he says, man, let's go down and see if Mr. Gober's got part of this air compressor. I laughed at him. I said, he convenient store. He ain't going to have a part to compressor. He said, man, you know, he's got a bunch of stuff in there. I'm telling you straight up, we walked in there. He handed Mr. Gober that part. He said, 
Yeah, he had look, if you remember, he wore them glasses way down on his nose. He looked over, he said, I think I got that. Hold on a second. He was gone. You heard him back there rummaging through. He come out. I'm telling you right now, had that part of that air compressor, right? Every time I quote or read that verse, I think of Mr. Gober, right? Put your hand on anything anybody needs anytime they need it. Amen. Who remembers Ronnie Marchant in the Bessemer area? So furniture here for years, right? Anybody remember him? Stand up real straight. He'd say, ever what you need. Ever what you need, right? Amen. Amen. So now it becomes, listen to me, I'm, I'm trying to, if, if nothing else, I'm trying to, we, we're all moving a step closer to this thing. See, so many people view prayer as trying to get God to give you something, trying to talk God into doing something, trying to talk God into, into blessing you with something. He has blessed you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. He has given to you all things that pertain to life and godliness. He has given you not the spirit of the world, um, but the spirit who is from God, so that you might know the things that have been freely given to you. Amen. So, it's not about trying to get God to do or trying to get by His stripes you were healed. It's how do we tap into these things and receive them in a, in a, in a tangible, verifiable way that makes a difference in our lives. Well, how did you receive salvation? You believed in your heart, you confessed with your mouth, and you were able to tap into a well of salvation, amen, that has uh, completely recreated you on the inside. All right. You with me? Everybody with me? Yes, sir, brother. Okay. It's a good question. No, it's a good question. All right. So um, I personally believe Nicodemus was saved. And if you notice towards the end of Jesus' life, Nicodemus is there helping with his body and all these other things. So I believe that Nicodemus did become a believer. Nowhere in the Scripture other than that he was there showing kindness to Jesus and, and ministry to him even at his death. Um, you know, that's where I base that upon. Um, obviously, that conversation was recorded not just for Nicodemus' benefit, but for all of ours. And um, <clears throat> so born of water means a physical birth. Uh, born of the Spirit means the second birth, the new birth, born from above. Amen. And, um, and that's how we enter into the kingdom. Amen. And that's how we're able to gain spiritual insight into how Jesus was doing all the things that he was doing. Nicodemus was confused by it. He was a Pharisee. He believed in supernatural things. He even believed in the resurrection from the dead within a three-day window. That's why Jesus waited the fourth day to raise Lazarus. Lazarus, right? But... Um, uh, so, um, so anyway, sh short answer is, I believe he was born again. I believe we'll meet him in heaven. The Bible doesn't specifically point that out to us, all right? You, you're fine. Amen. Okay, it's a great, great question, and I got drawings. I got, we got, yeah, we're going to spend probably about six hours on it. So, yes, there is a difference between the spirit and the soul. Um, as far as a hierarchy is concerned, um, the real you is the spirit inside of you. Um, your, your spirit is inside your soul, and your spirit and soul are inside your body. Okay? And yes, the soul is eternal, um, because the, the mind and the brain are two separate things. Right? So, but if you hang in here, especially tonight and next week, we'll, we will uh, get 
answers to all that. Praise God. So it's great questions. Great, great questions. All right. Um, amen. All right, let me, you know, if I've missed the Lord on this, I don't believe I have. Amen. This seems like we're plowing instead of flowing, but, um, you know, there's only one letter difference between plowing and flowing, right? Either a P or an F. Amen. So uh, I hope that we're flowing and not plowing, but it seems like we're plowing. But I think some of that's resistance from the enemy, right? He, he doesn't want people to understand this. So 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and let's, uh, let's jump in at verse number 9. It says this, But as it is written, Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love Him. Now, he is actually uh, quoting here from Isaiah. So he, he's just taken a passage from the Old Testament and he's brought it into the New Testament because what was spoken of prophetically in those days has now become a reality in our day. In Romans 8, and, and again, if you don't know what he's doing here, you'll be very confused by this when it says that for thy sake we are killed all the day long. Right? And you're like, what in the world? He's, but then the next word is no! Right? But in all these things we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus, through Him who loved us. Right? So he's, he's taken like what was despair and discouraging in the Old Testament, bringing it in the New Testament, in light of what Jesus has now done for us, uh, the tables are turned. So a lot of people quote this verse, Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love Him. And they never, they never continue. So verse 10 says, But God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. So stop right here for just a moment. People in, um, in Paul's day, especially Jewish people, would have been very familiar with these beautiful verses spoken from Isaiah, the Holy Spirit, through Isaiah all those years ago. And, and these were verses like, um, kind of like what we do when we just simply say good things coming. Um, but in their sense, in, in their day, they were like, Messiah's coming, all this is going to change one day. And, and so they, you know, they were looking for, um, uh, in Paul's day, some of them were still looking for a change that had already taken place. So he quotes this verse, he gets their attention, and he says, but God has revealed them to us. What is he talking about? He's revealed the things that eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for those um, who love Him. But God has revealed these things to us, to us, amen, how? Through His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. So think for a minute what he's saying here. Um, the Bible says the, 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 the spirit inside of you is the candle of the Lord that searches the inward parts. Right? A simplified way of saying this is that nobody knows you like you, at least on this earth. God obviously knows you better than you know yourself, but nobody knows you like you know you. And nobody knows what's in God's heart or what God has given to you, right? Like the Spirit of God knows God. Are you seeing this? 
So we're like, you know, in their day, remember, eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, nor has the ear and heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that love Him. Except for the Spirit of God who knows all those things has now been given to you and me and He resides within us. And He is now revealing those things that have been given to us, um, to us. Yes, no, maybe? Verse 12, one of my many favorite verses. Now we have, now we have, you read it tomorrow to say now. Read it six weeks from today, it'll still say now. Now we have received, not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Notice the use of the word might. Notice, because again, your cooperation, my cooperation is required here. The Holy Spirit is trying to reveal to us what belongs to us because of who we are in Christ Jesus. We are an heir of God. We are a joint heir with Jesus, which simply means we are entitled to everything from God the Father that Jesus Himself is entitled to. That's why Jesus does not know the day or the hour when He's coming back to this earth because if God the Father shared that with Jesus as joint heirs with Jesus, He would have to share it with us. Amen. So again, you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. You have love with the same love that Jesus is loved with by the Father, given the same glory, John 17, that, that God the Father gave to Jesus. I mean, we just go on and on with this. Withheld no good thing from you. If he spared not his only son, but delivered him up for us all, how will he now not freely give us all things with Jesus having returned to his right hand? So now we have received, not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that will be given to us one day by God. Is that what it says? No. That we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Let me tell you what that says if it says anything. It says that we've been given things that we don't know we have. <laughs> we've been given things that we don't know are ours. We've been given some awesome things, things that have not entered into your wildest imaginations. Not that God will give you, has already given to you, already as far as He's concerned, are yours. Amen. Again, that's, remember I can't tell you what belongs to you because of who you are unless you let me tell you who you are. And I can't tell you who you are until I tell you what you are. You see how all this is fitting together? Let's just say this, alright, it's big. Amen. It's really, really big. Praise God. All right. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. The things, uh, but the spirit is from God that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Verse thirteen. Verse thirteen. These things. We also speak. Now, if you're familiar with the cadence, if you will, of this passage, he starts out by saying, when I was with you, I didn't come to you with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in power and demonstration of the Spirit. Because he didn't want your faith to rest in the wisdom of man. He goes on to say, but we do speak wisdom, but to those who are mature. We're not talking about the earthly wisdom, but the hidden wisdom that God has hidden, not from us, but for us, for our glory. He then talks about these things that we've been given that we don't know about yet. 
And he says this, these things we also speak. <laughs> All right now, praise God. I don't want to embarrass our brother because he got up. I'm like, dude, I'm just going to sit here and wait for him to get back because he needs to hear this, right? But anyway, I'm going to keep going, all right? Will you tell him later? Amen. All right, okay. He says, these things we speak also. All right? Now think about it, what he just said. He is speaking things that have not entered into the heart of man. He's speaking things that eyes haven't seen, ears haven't heard, nor has it entered the heart of man. He says, these things that, that are being revealed to us by the Spirit of God, things that it takes the Spirit of God to help us even begin to comprehend what's been given, right? He says, these things we also speak. These things we also speak. Let's get something nailed down if we hadn't gotten it nailed down already, okay? The answer has to be spoken. The answer has to be spoken. The words of your mouth chart the course that your life follows. The words of your mouth are like the bit in the mouth of a horse. The words of your mouth are like the rudder on the bottom of the ship. Amen. The produce, let's go back to Matthew, just stay where you are right here in 1 Corinthians, but remember what he said in Matthew. A good man out of the good deposit of his heart brings forth good things. He brings forth those good things with words. Now Paul is saying, things that have been given to me by God that I don't yet know about, I also speak. But not in words which man's wisdom teaches. He's saying, I speak these things, but not with words that I learned in any classroom. I speak these things, but not with words that I learned through studying or that somebody else told me to say. I speak these things not in words which man's wisdom teaches but with words which the Holy Spirit teaches. Alright? So who gave Him these words to speak so that He could speak things that He don't know about that have been given to Him? <laughs> Holy Spirit, right? Holy Spirit. So now He is speaking things with words that He doesn't know that He didn't learn from somebody else, but by speaking words that He doesn't that he didn't learn from somebody else, the Holy Spirit's giving him, teaching him these words. He's able to speak out of his mouth things that belong to him that he don't know are his. So we'll get to that um, when we talk about spirit, soul, and body. But one of the things about the Holy Spirit, and when you pray in an unknown tongue, unknown tongues do not come out of your head. They come out of your belly. Okay? And when they come out of your belly, so one of my favorite things to do is to pray in the Spirit, and while praying in the Spirit, quote verses in my mind mentally. Amen. We just, we just bombarding that soul from both sides. Praise God. All right? 
from the brain side, the body side, and the spirit side. Okay? Because remember, we're bringing everything into alignment. It's called reconciliation, right? We're lining our spirit through the new birth has been lined up with God. Now we're trying to line, and the mistake a lot of people make is they try to line their behavior up with God without ever understanding the importance of lining up their thinking, which will line up their emotions, which will line up their choices, which will then help line up their behavior with God, right? We're bringing it all back into alignment. And so to pray from my spirit, to pray with the spirit, amen, and then at the same time, cognitively, be rehearsing Bible verses in my mind, right, is effort on my part to bring all of those into alignment with God so that He is flowing through me, if you will. Amen. More, more to come on all of that. There's a final phrase in this passage. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Do you see that? Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. What if I was to tell you that this word that was translated comparing could have just as easily been translated composing? The original Greek word means the same thing. It was just simply a choice that was made by the translators. I believe the more accurate translation here should have been compose as opposed to compare. Because when he says comparing spiritual things with spiritual, it, something is lost in that because of the, of the depth of meaning of that word compare. This word compose, what does it mean? Compose means to form the substance of. To form the substance of. So let's, let's take it all one more time, and then we'll move on, okay? Let's, let's go through it all one more time. My eyes, your eyes, have not seen, nor have our ears, your ears, heard, nor has it entered into our hearts, your heart, my heart, the things that God has prepared for those who love Him. But God has revealed those things to us because we're not in the same boat they were in the Old Testament. We're in a new boat. We got a new covenant. It's a new day. We've been born from above, and we now have God's Spirit who searches even the deep things of God living inside of us. Now we have received not the Spirit of this world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things. Come on now. We also speak, but not with English words, not with Spanish words, not with German words, not with Russian words, not with Greek words. These things we also speak, not with words which man's wisdom has taught us, but words which the Holy Spirit has given to us, words that He has taught us to say. Enabling us to form the substance of spiritual things with spiritual words. That's what it means to compare spiritual things with spiritual. Composing spiritual things with spiritual. Forming the substance of spiritual things with spiritual words. Look, I can't tell if you're excited about this or not. I, I, would, have, I, I would have paid somebody half my bank account 20 years ago to teach me that. Because I'm telling you, it took me a long time. This is one of those verses, man. 
Praise God. Say it again. I'll say it again, brother. All right? These things we also speak, things we don't, things that are ours, but we don't know are ours. Yeah, think about it now. Jaden, tell me something that's yours that you don't know is yours. Well, he can tell me things that are his that he knows is his, but he can't tell me things that are his that he don't know are his because he doesn't know those things are his yet. And he's been given things by God that he doesn't know are his. And in order for those things to, to become substantial, for those things to come uh, into existence in his life reality, he's got to speak those words out of his mouth to bring those things into reality in his physical life. Bringing them from the realm of the spirit into the realm of the physical. How are we going to do it? If First of all, we don't know what they are in order to speak words to bring them from hither to yon, to, to bring them from, from there to here. Yes? Yes? Okay. So, are we stuck? No, no, no. The Holy Spirit will enable us to speak things that are ours, that we don't know are ours, but not with words which somebody taught us, but with words that the Holy Spirit teaches us. A heavenly language. Composing spiritual things, forming the substance. See those fish in the net, that substance. The manna on the ground, substance. That fish and chips buffet, substance. Jesus formed the substance. He composed, He formed the substance of something physical from something spiritual. Forming the substance of spiritual things. He just says with spiritual. But the context here and the relationship is spiritual words. The words from the Holy Spirit that He teaches. Yes, no, maybe? Sure. Mm -hmm. Yep. Sure. It's a word of knowledge she's talking about there. It's one of the nine manifestations of the Spirit. Let me talk to you just a moment about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, okay? Jesus came to do two things for you. He came to take away your sin and baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Okay? If you've been born again, first of all, you could not call Jesus Lord without the Holy Spirit. Amen. And if you've been born again, God took your old spirit that was dead and buried it in an unmarked grave and gave you a new spirit. And your new spirit, born from above, amen, has become one with the Holy Spirit that He gave you. So much so that if we were to pull your spirit out of you, we couldn't tell where you began and the Holy Spirit ended and where the Holy Spirit ended and your spirit began. It'd be like if we took two bottles of water and poured them into one glass. They would become one in that glass, in that, in that pitcher. Okay? So your born-again spirit and the Holy Spirit have become one spirit 
through the new birth. And Jesus said, when He come to live inside of you, He would live in you forever. Forever. Okay? And Jesus didn't stutter when He said it. Forever. Okay? Amen. We'll, oh, I'm going to do some teaching right there. We can do it soon. I promise. Soon it's coming. It's coming. Praise God. It's coming. Amen. All right? So, you say, well then, I received the Holy Spirit. What's the big deal, Pastor Mark? No, no, no. See, read, read the Bible, please. And I'll tell you where it's more clear, and that's the way the Holy Spirit does. He makes it plain so that those who want to see it plain can see it plain. Bunch of folks from F bunch of folks, people, pokes, folks from Ephesus, okay? People and folks, pokes, bunch of folks from Ephesus, disciples from Ephesus. They were asked, Have you received the Holy Spirit since you were saved? Since you believed? And they said, We don't know nothing about that. They were saved. They were born again. The Holy Spirit's inside of them. They're talking about something other than salvation. They explained it to them. They lay hands on them. The Bible says they were baptized in the Holy Spirit and they began to speak with unknown tongues. It happened at Cornelius' house. First Gentiles, first non-Jewish people that received salvation. They received salvation. They received the Holy Spirit. And then right on the heels of that, they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. So here's the thing you've got to understand. When you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's not that you get more of the Holy Spirit. He's not a pie that you've got a big slice of at salvation and now you're going to get a heap and help enough uh, later at some point. No, no, no. It's, it's not that you get more of the Holy Spirit. It's that the Holy Spirit gets more of you. And one of the most important things is that he, you surrender to Him and allow Him to come alongside and use your tongue to give you utterance. It's going to be your voice that speaks. It's going to be your vocal cords. It's going to be your lips that form the words. It's going to be your tongue that's, 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 that's utilized to bring those unknown uh, tongues, heavenly language, out from you. It's not that you go to sleep and He speaks in tongues and you don't even know what happened. It's, it's a beautiful, uh, symbiotic uh, example, expression of God now, that song we sing here at Heritage, now you're living so mightily in me. Amen? Well, if words and speaking words are an important part of your life, then allowing the Holy Spirit to speak words through you, amen, is one of the most beautiful, but also one, one of the, the most extensive forms of surrender to Him that there is on planet Earth. So the idea then is that you surrender to Him. So I don't know how to do that, Pastor Mark. Well, that's again, there's the point, right? We need to learn how to do that. But it's not about learning so much, and I don't mean to send you down like a confusing statement here. It's not so much about learning as, as it is just activating and doing and stepping out in faith. Now, some of you in here, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. I hesitate to say these things because some of you have, maybe have not yet experienced this yet, and not everyone's experience is identical. But some of you, you've been in, 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 in times of deep worship, in times of deep prayer, when heaven felt so near, and, and all of a sudden you begin to feel a pressure in your abdomen. You, you, man, there's been times when the Holy Spirit was so strong in me, and I know it's not glamorous, I thought I was going to vomit. I mean, it was, like, it was like I was heaving. That's the groaning. That's, that's, that's that utterance that's coming from deep inside of your spirit where He begins... To, to, to speak. But again, if you don't surrender your tongue and begin to speak those words and those syllables, you'll shut them down. 
you'll clam it up. You'll, you'll, you'll reserve it, right? And so the, the idea is when, when that begins to feel, you just step out in faith and begin to, to speak those words as He gives them to you. Amen. And, and I have seen folks that, you know, it begins with just a couple of syllables. I've seen other folks, man, it was like a dam broke inside of them, right? I shared on a Sunday night a couple of weeks ago about my brother, you know. Um, he literally prayed in unknown tongues. When I say all night, I'm going to say somewhere around 11 o'clock midnight till the sun came up. The night he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. It was the night that he rededicated his life to God. And so, you know, it just, there's nothing here to be afraid of. And, and, and a simple prayer is this one. Father, if this is for me, I want it. I want every, do you want everything He has for you? If this, if this is for you, do you want it? If, and I say it, forgive me. Do you want Him? The Holy Spirit's not an it. He's, Jesus referred to Him as a He. Amen. What have we learned if we've learned anything in here? Ask and keep asking. Seek and keep seeking. Knock and keep knocking. The door's not open to the person that doesn't knock. You have not because you ask not. You're not going to find if you're not seeking. Amen. Some of you in here have the luxury of asking your counselor about it. Amen. Praise God. They might fall out of their chair if some of you ask them that question. Huh? Amen. Somebody said he's already asked, right? Okay, good, he's doing his job. I don't even want to look at my watch. All right, we've still got about 30 minutes. You good? I know the folks that are watching my internet cringe when I do this. Questions? Yes. That's easy. That's where we're headed next. Yes, sir. I'm... Sure. Now, this world, that's a great question. How do we know? Whatever. It's a great question. Okay. And... If you read the book of Acts, right? Okay. Then you will see that every person who was baptized in the Holy Spirit, the initial evidence of that infilling was they spoke in an unknown tongue. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit is more than speaking in tongues, but it is an activation. Because remember, He's in you, but He wants to flow from inside of you, out of you. I've covered you with a shadow of my hand. I've put my words in your mouth so that I can plant the heavens, lay the foundations of the earth, say design, thou art my people, right? He's all the way back before we even understood what a heavenly language was in the Old Testament. God is expressing his desire to put his hand on you and speak through you from this side, earth side of the heavens into those heavens to change things here on the earth. Because remember, whoever controls the heaven around the earth controls what goes on on the earth. So it's that it's it's the initial it's it's that speaking in the unknown tongue. I, I, let me. Some of you like well, you know, Pastor Mark, we we believe in that at my church, but we don't have an interpreter, therefore we don't do it. Okay, all right. 
Denial's not a river in Egypt either, okay? So let me get, let's, let's talk about it, right? And this is, amen. The, the Bible speaks of the various manifestations of the Spirit with the unknown tongues being an entry level. It's an introductory. It's, it's, it's um, what I find is the more that I pray in, uh, in the Spirit, the more the other manifestations of the Spirit operate in my life, Okay? One of the things, too, and those of you who, who have you know, taken some of these steps will probably say amen to this, but you see, that place that the unknown tongues come from inside of me in my belly, okay, that's the same place where God communicates to me at. Amen. And so it's training that channel. It's becoming familiar with that channel. Amen. Um, where the Holy Spirit uh, flows from inside of me, out of me, and... and um, I, I'm, I, when I use this, this is like the, the absolute worst example ever, but it just keeps coming up in me because it's going to click with somebody. It's like muscle memory, but spiritual muscle memory. Okay? Um, and so, um, but let's, let's go back to it. Um, the Bible teaches that this introductory manifestation of the Spirit um, has um, three distinct uses. One tool, one gift with three distinct um, operations or applications, right? The first one is what we see on the day of Pentecost. And I know of other people who have experienced this same thing. This is when people were speaking known languages that they did not learn. So it would be like somebody speaking French that did, did you know, pretty good just to speak English. Never taught, never learned French. Okay? And so that's what happened on the day of Pentecost because people were in Jerusalem from all over speaking all kinds of different tongues and dialects. And so they were speaking in languages that no one had taught them, but people present understood. And by the way, if you don't know this, the Bible says they were declaring the wonderful works of God to those men and women, and thousands of people were born again that day. Right? Now, it would be like a hammer. You can drive a nail with a hammer, you can knock a hole in a wall with a hammer, you can pull a nail with a hammer. Right? In other words, one tool, different ways to use that tool. The second um, operation or, or administration of the gift of unknown tongues is when someone would stand up in a meeting like this and they would give a message in tongues inspired by the Holy Spirit. And that, that manifestation of the Spirit is to coincide with a, a partner manifestation, and that is the interpretation of what was just said. And we see that, that uh, a message in uh, unknown tongues and the interpretation, those two working together are the equivalent of the singular manifestation of when someone stands to give a word of prophecy. Right? And that's not prophecy foretelling the future, but in that application, this prophecy that is given for edification, for encouragement, in other words, it's a, it's a word, a message that's given to us from the heart of God, by the Spirit of God, through the people of God. Amen. Now, the third administration uh, or administration use of this one singular manifestation is what the Bible calls a prayer language where you and the Holy Spirit work together to pray and make intercession according to the will of God in an, in an unknown tongue. And this was when the Apostle Paul said to a church that was you know, just absolutely gone wild on spiritual gifts and speaking in tongues, 
He said, I'm not forbidding you to speak in tongues. I'm trying to bring some clarification and some instruction. And he says, I speak in tongues more than every person in that church combined together. So this tells me the Apostle Paul did a whole bunch of praying in unknown tongues. Right? So even when he's asked the question, do all speak with tongues? People, oh, see, see, not everybody has that gift. No, no, see, you've got to break the language down, what he's saying there. He's talking about the, the public ministry of the Holy Spirit. Let's say he inspires Melanie to stand up and give a message to unknown tongues and then uh, inspires Jaden to stand up and, and interpret it, right? So not everyone will be used that way. But when it comes to prayer, and, and, and I know I could go on and on about this for weeks. I'm trying to, oh, praise God, get to some other stuff tonight. But I, this is what, we, you need to hear some of this, right? We need to hear some of this, right? Um, the Bible says that when you pray in the Spirit, you build your own self up on your most precious faith. So again, it would not be uh, right if God gave Kim a gift that he could build himself up by using, and he didn't give that gift to me. He's given every person that ability to pray in an unknown tongue, to build yourself up in faith, make yourself strong in faith. Did Jesus not tell him? And this is... You know, back to Chad's great question earlier. This is praying in, the, in I start saying English. They didn't speak English. They spoke Aramaic. But um, remember, Jesus told the disciples to watch and pray so that they would be strong when, when tempted. So we already know that prayer is means by which God uh, strengthens us inwardly. Amen? All right. Good things coming? So what is man? Man is a God-class being. Man is a spirit being. Man is legal authority on earth. Man is a being created in the image and likeness of God. And number five, drum roll please, man is a triune being. A three yet one being. That's what triune means. Tri, three, un, one. Man is a triune being. Turn with me for the 73rd time. I don't know if it's been that many times. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. All right, we got about 17 minutes. Are you okay tonight? I'm not here to offend you. I'm not here to frustrate you. I'm here to help you, all right? All right, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. It says this. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. We've read the rest of that just for sake of time. I'm not going to read the rest. It's about them having dominion, so forth and so on. I want you to pay very close attention to the plural pronouns in this verse. He didn't say let me. God said let us. God said, let us make man in, not my image, our image. So again, pay very close attention to the use of the plural pronouns. Now how do we understand this? I think it's pretty clear, but let's make sure everyone sees it. Right? God is a trinity. He is a three, yet one being. 
He is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now, there are others that I will not mention now, but perhaps the um, best material uh, physical example of wrapping our minds around this or a way to wrap our minds around this is to think of H2O. H2O is of course water, but H2O can be in the form of ice, a solid. It can be in the form of um, you know, liquid, water, as we often think of. And H2O can also be in the form of vapor, steam. So in each of these we have H2O, but in a different form. And not only is there a different form, but there's a different application. Or there's, a, there's a different way that, in other words, you don't use ice the same way you use steam. But yet, ice, water, and steam are still all three equally H2O. Now, the next, I guess, example on this earth, and I was trying to use words like matter and, and physical because you're more than just a physical being, but the greatest representation of a three yet one being in the created realm is you. Because we see that a triune God created you as a triune, three yet one being. Yes, Austin. Yeah, I've said this before. I was wondering, I'm saying it again. Uh, it said the way God made uh, Adam and Eve, and then the God said, let us make mankind in the heart, in the side. Okay. So right down below on the 27th, it says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. But over here is where Adam saw three. Yeah, okay. It's a great question. So when God originally created um, Adam, um, he uh, created male and female, but there was only at this point one being. So when, when Adam fell into a deep sleep, it wasn't just that God removed the rib, but he removed everything from Adam that was female. Okay? And then he brought them back together in marriage as one. Okay? So we could do a, a lot of teaching and explanation there, but um, you know, let's just say it this way, the differences between a man and a woman are way more than physical, okay? It's a, it's a completely different emotional makeup, a completely different uh, perspective on life. Um, not that men can't nurture and women can't provide, but men are hardwired by God as providers. We have a provider mentality. Women are hardwired by God as nurturers. They have a nurturer mentality. Again, it's, it doesn't mean women can't work and provide. They do and have and can doesn't mean that men can't nurture. We have and can and do, what have you. But I'm talking about the, just the fundamentals, all right? And, and the, I think the main reason that I like to point that out is because we often think of God, um, you know, as only being able to relate to, uh, you know, men or, or to males. Um, every characteristic of, of humankind came from God. Now, if you go out of here and say, I said God's a woman, you're not telling the truth, okay? That's not what, I, that's not what I'm saying, okay? But 
we do see things like, like God is El Shaddai, which means He's the all-breasted one. And again, the, the, the imagery there is a, is a nursing mother. Um, and so, God is both provider and nurturer. And He created a single being in His image and likeness. Male and female created He them, but at this point there's only one being until they were separated. Okay? Does that help? Okay. Alright. So a triune God created you as a triune being. So let's... Um, Amen. See if we can get some of this flowing here. Um, what did I just do there? Praise God. Alright. So, as he's drawing, um, every year that I've taught this, for that matter, every time that I've taught this, I've always used a dry erase board and scribble scrabbled all over it, but, you know, it's just a new day, right? And uh, so we're going to do it a little different, right? So, um, we've graduated from stick men to actually, uh, you know, just a plain old dude there, right? So this is how most people... Um, see themselves uh, just as, as, as one being, okay? But um, this is how um, you should see yourself, okay? And so we'll let the, uh, we'll let the drawing uh, follow here, all right? Um, you should see yourself not as one, but you should see yourself as one, two, and three. You are a three yet one being, okay? Now, the first verse I'm going to give you is from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. And 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 says this, Now may the God of peace Himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? So notice now that we have the use of these three words, spirit, soul, and body. We see these words used separately, individually, in lots of passages. But here is a very uh, purposeful, deliberate passage that contains all three. May your entire spirit, that word whole there means entire, complete, May your entire spirit, entire soul, and entire body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So when we talk about the new birth, we'll look at how our spirits have been born from above. And that is absolutely critically important, but that is not all that God is interested in. He's interested after your spirit's born again, He's interested in the renewing of your mind, what we call reconciliation. Amen? And also... The, um, the prosperity of the body, the health of the body, the soundness of the body. Um, uh, so again, your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless. Alright? So, um, let's do this. We'll put this back up here. And so, um, we take those three men, and we're going to write underneath each one of them the words uh, spirit, soul, and body, all right? Um, let's talk first about the Spirit. And I like to simplify things, if y'all had not figured that out by all these classes now, okay? Um, we've got to begin to understand our Spirit as being the real you and the real me, okay? And so when we talked about mankind being a Spirit being, we covered a lot of really important things there that I'm not going to try 
to, um, to rehash again right now. We will weave some review of that into um, our upcoming classes. But your spirit's the real you. See if you remember this. When Paul went to heaven, he was so aware of his spirit that he wasn't sure if his body went with him or not. Before Adam and Eve sinned, they didn't know they had a body. They were so aware of their spirit that they didn't understand that they had a physical body. Now we look at that and we scratch our heads in amazement. But remember now, heaven looks at us because so many people here are only aware of their body and don't know they have a spirit. Okay? Things have really changed, haven't they? From being so aware of our spirit that we didn't know we had a body to now being so aware of our body that we don't realize that we have a spirit. If you've been born again, this is the part that was born again. Amen? It, it, it wasn't this part, it wasn't that part. It was this part. And that part is, and we'll get into this again in the days ahead, but that part is a completed work. It's a done deal. Amen. And I'll show it to you in Scripture. Alright? That next uh, part of you is the part the Bible identifies as your soul. And that part is actually your mind, your emotions, and your will. If you'd like to break that down a little further, and I do, it's the part of you that thinks, the part of you that feels, and the part of you that chooses. Okay? That's your mind, your emotions, and your will. Now, praise God. Let me, let me go ahead and do the next one, and we'll come back to some of these. I want to make sure we get it all out there. All right? So, in the, uh, in the next one here, um, we've got the body. And different words for the body would be uh, your flesh. Also, very important component of your body is your five senses. And then this part of you, the Bible also refers to as your outward man. Outward man versus inward man. Okay? So, to simplify, again, we could talk about, and a lot of times in Tier 2 at the Foundry, those of you who have been in my classes there, I usually just talk about the outward man, the inward man, and we don't go into the details, that the inward man are both the spirit and the soul, with the outward man being what the Bible calls the body, the flesh, um, so forth and so on. Alright, we got a few more minutes. Now, one thing, or one way, to think of this would be a hand in a glove. With your body being the most elaborate, intricate, expensive, and most fearfully and wonderfully made glove that has ever existed. But at the end of the day, your body is a glove. Created and designed by God to give expression to the spirit and the soul that is contained within it. 
I have been known to refer to our physical body as an earth suit. Because when we go into outer space, in order to survive in that environment, in order to exist in that environment, we have to be in a space suit. We cannot exist in that environment without a proper suit. Okay. In the same way, you cannot exist on planet Earth without an Earth suit. If your Earth suit expires, okay, you do not cease to exist. The real you continues to exist. You just can't stay here. Every time I start talking about this, man, it just verses start firing off in me. I, I literally believe an understanding of what I'm beginning to explain to you now will answer more than a thousand questions. And I'm not exaggerating when I say that, okay? It'll help you see the Bible in a way perhaps you've never seen it before. It'll help you understand when the Bible says something like to be absent from the body. When the Bible says something like our physical body is a tent, a temporary dwelling place. When the Bible says things like we have a treasure in an earthen vessel. Are you following what I'm saying here? When Paul spoke of his body in the third person, he said, I will not let it rule me, but I will bring it under subjection. And when I sin, it's not me that does it, but it is my flesh, because in my flesh alone, nothing good dwells. And we could go on and on and on here. So, when we speak of hand in glove, we could take that one step further, and that is the use of the word interface. Interface. When one thing interfaces with another, we're talking about one thing plugging into or, or, or becoming integrated with something else. And so, when we speak of hand in glove, amen, I also want you to think of your body having been interfaced with the spirit and the soul that is inside of it. Let me say this another way, and I'm not trying to confuse you tonight. Again, just kind of take a deep breath. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you in your heart where these things are concerned. Don't let your mind go like in, you know, like in a, some kind of frenzy trying to sort this out. Let the Holy Spirit reveal it to you. This is going to be one of the strongest things I've said yet. But notice the mind is a part of the soul. But the brain is a part of the flesh. Okay? Because what I'm offering to you tonight is that your mind and your brain are not the same thing. Your brain is a physical organ, or as I like to call it, it is a meat computer. But your mind has now interfaced with your brain. In other words, your brain enables your mind to give expression to itself in this created realm. If you'll also notice, your emotions are a part of, of you that the Bible calls your soul. But we often think of emotions as neurochemicals in our physical body. Again, emotions are one thing, the neurochemicals that enable us to experience and express them are something that's a part of the physical body. Therefore, we have something that I'm again calling an interface. Of all the numerous people throughout the history of mankind 
that have had what would be referred to as a near-death experience. It's really not a near-death experience. I'm talking about people who actually died because again, by definition, the word death means separation. Spiritual death is when your spirit is separated from God's spirit. More drawings to come, all right? Physical death is when your spirit and soul separate from your physical body. Death means separation. It doesn't mean non-existence. So people who have had a quote-unquote near-death experience, meaning what? Meaning that they died and they literally left their body. There's, in a room this size, there's probably someone here who has experienced something similar to this. But numerous people have talked about seeing their body laying on the uh, gurney or laying on the ground or, or laying in the ditch, right? As their spirit and soul left their body, right? only for it to come back into their body and for them to be revived, or we could say more correctly, resurrected. Notice that they have a memory of that experience that they're able to recall by speaking out of their physical mouth. But their body was laying on the ground and their spirit and soul were above it witnessing it. One of the more amazing examples of this was a man who had that experience. He said that his spirit and soul left his body and hovered above his body for some time there in the hospital room while they were working on him. And then his, he, he began to go um, through the different floors of the hospital until he went out of the roof of the hospital and then was right back into his body. Later he was trying to tell people and they were like just patting him, it's the medication, it's the this, it's the that, you know. And he told them, because now he's beginning to wonder if it really happened or not. And he says, there's a white Converse tennis shoe laying on the roof of this hospital next to an air conditioning unit. Go see if I'm right. Amen. So notice now, he has a memory while being brain dead. So there's an interface that takes place. Death is when that interface is broken. When the spirit and the soul exit the tent, the temporary dwelling place, the earth suit, the physical body here on this earth. And as I heard Sister Betty say, it came from the dust, and to the dust it will return until resurrection day. Now, let me give you uh, one more uh, drawing here. And, um, and perhaps this is uh, going to help with some of the questions that some folks have because there are a lot of people whew, in the body of Christ, just looked at my watch, right? There are a lot of teachers who believe that the spirit and the soul are actually the same thing. First of all, we know that's not the case because Hebrews 4 and 12 says that the Word of God is sharper than any surgeon's scalpel, any two-edged sword, and it can divide the part of you that's spirit from the part of you that's soul. It can, it can dissect and separate them. But also, when you look into the original language of the Bible, the word for the spirit in the Greek is the word pneuma. The word for soul in the Greek is the word suche. And the word for body in the Greek is the word soma. 
Now, I think probably if you're wondering, pneuma, that sounds like an air tool pneumatic. You got it. We got our English word air tool pneumatic from that. Suche sounds like psyche, sounds like psycho, sounds like psychological, sounds like psychiatrist. You got it. And then, of course, soma being the body. Have you ever heard psychosomatic illness? It's a physical illness that has a psychological um, origin. So when we are talking about pneuma, suche, and soma, that verse, by the way, uh, uh, brother asked for verses. I'm going to give you one more, and this is where we'll start next week, and I'm fixing to pray real fast, okay? For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, Hebrews 4.12, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Okay? So clearly, um, this divides soul from spirit and penetrates not just to the, to the, to the flesh, but to the joint and marrow in the bone of the soma. Amen? Alright. Father, you're good to us. We love you. Thank you for life and peace. I pray the things, Father, that have been spoken of in this room tonight, Father, will we'll penetrate hearts, will stir up uh, uh, interest, uh, curiosity, hunger. Father, that, um, that folks would pursue all that you have for them. And we thank you for the understanding and wisdom that you're giving us in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God.